You're listening to episode 24 of the Musicpreneur Mindset Podcast. Hey, we're Sub Radio. You're listening to the Musicpreneur Mindset Podcast. Here's your host, Suze, founder of the Rockstar Advocate. Hey there, you're listening to episode 24, Musicpreneur Spotlight, Leslie Barth. I'm your host, Suze, a mindset coach to help musicpreneurs build sustainable careers in music by setting clear goals and creating time management systems that enable them to work smarter, not harder. Now, we've had some fantastic guests on this podcast so far. Episode 13 spotlighted our first guests and theme song creators, Sub Radio, as they shared their secrets for working together as a band. Episode 17 spotlighted half of Broken Luxury, Mr. Zach Golden, discussing his work-life balance. Then we had episode 20 featuring the New York City legend Cypher Sounds, where he taught us what it takes to build a solid reputation through the years while building your own blueprint. Now, I don't know about you, but it's about time we had a female guest up in here to shed some light on what it's like to take that leap so many of you have considered taking, quitting your day job to do music full-time. Last year, I had the pleasure of meeting singer-songwriter Leslie Barth. I honestly don't even recall the circumstances around our first encounter because she's just one of those people who you feel like you've always known. But as I've gotten to know her over the last year, I'm always amazed by her quiet confidence, her immense talent, and her willingness to try new things. Almost two months ago, she told me she was leaving her corporate day job, and I told her I wanted to be one of the first appointments on her newly clean-slated schedule. In the middle of her second day as a full-time musicpreneur, she sat down with me to discuss what brought her to this point and what she was most looking forward to in her new chapter. We covered a lot, so much so I had to cut a lot for time, and I want to get right to it. I've left a lot of great info about Leslie in the show notes, so I do hope you'll visit therockstaradvocate.com forward slash EP24 to get to know this amazing woman's full story and check out her latest music from her album, Green Hearts. But without further ado, here is my chat with Ms. Leslie Barth. So tell us a little bit about your story and, and how you got your start in music. Sure. So I grew up in a pretty musical family. My father is an opera singer. And uh, he and my mother met when she was choreographing a show that he was in. So music was kind of around me all the time. I was very nerdy, very into poetry. I think I kind of came into songwriting as an area of music through poetry, through being obsessed with like 1800s, (laughs) like Irish and British poems. Um, So I've been in New York for a little over seven years. And before that, I was in Philadelphia and... After graduation, moved back home. Um, my mother lived outside of Philly, and then I found an apartment in Philly and was there for about a year or so, teaching music lessons and working in retail, like you do. <laughs> and I met my now husband down there, and he also um, is a musician and was teaching music lessons. That's kind of how we met. We we love Philly. We love going back to Philly. Every time I go there, like it feels like a part of my heart is mm-hmm. still there. It still feels like home. Even though I grew up in the suburbs, Philly was like the city for me. Right. You know, New York was New York, but the city was Philly. We just, I think, didn't see the opportunities in Philly to have kind of a full life of music that didn't involve a lot of teaching. There is obviously not as much industry there. And also, it's a smaller city. So just in terms of being a gigging musician, right. there's less going on. And Because I, you know, was a recent college grad and... So I thought, okay, well, if I'm ever going to get into the corporate space, now's the time. 
sending my resumes to agencies up there and applying to jobs on Craigslist nonstop. And finally, I got a job um, in New York, and I moved up here. And a few months later, after Chuck finished, my husband finished teaching, he moved up. And so um, the past almost seven and a half years, I guess, almost eight years, I've been in the corporate world. And I've worked with a lot of people that are fantastic, and I made a lot of friends there. But I've had very much a bit of a split life between kind of (laughs) what I do at night and what I do during the day. And um, I'm grateful for that because I think it's what's allowed me to sort of take this jump now and like Mm -hmm. try some things because I definitely was able to save in a way that I probably would not have if I were teaching lessons, for example. But yeah, the timing was just right to take a leap. And I think New York is a big part of that because just the energy here and the number of musicians that actually look at making music as a career Mm -hmm. and look at the business side of it. And I feel like I've been learning and practicing, practicing in air quotes, (laughs) Uh, but I've been learning a lot about the business side the past few years and starting to put things into practice. And I've realized that I was just too, I think, creatively drained from the work that I was doing. And it was really hard for me to kind of go full steam in two different ways. You know, it's sort of like I took that promotion at work and maybe in hindsight shouldn't have, although... I'm actually glad that I did because I learned a lot about sales and marketing and that's always valuable to have. So it sounds to me like in your journey, you know, sometimes I see people kind of, it just organically grows into this and other times, myself included, I feel like your journey was more like, I know what the end goal is and I'm going to make a plan to get there. Like you had the plan to, okay, New York is where we're going to end up and corporate gigs are going to come first and then... You know, like it sounded to me like you kind of had that vision a while back. In some ways, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely think New York, it was clear to me that we had to be in New York to do what we wanted to do. I think I was drifting a little bit with some of the corporate work and wasn't quite sure for a long time. You know, I was playing shows. I was even releasing music. but I really didn't understand anything about the music business. I was young enough that I just, I guess I didn't. I didn't feel like any huge time pressure to figure Mm -hmm. it out. And, you know, life just happens. But I do think the past few years, it's been incredibly intentional. And my saving has been, you know, very intentional with this in mind, because I think that there's so many ways of approaching quitting the day job. And there's like one path that's the, well, you want to make sure you replace 60 to 70% of your income, and then you can quit. And I was like looking at my income and looking at the time that I had to do music I was like, I don't see that. I mean, barring like a miracle, I just didn't see that happening. So certainly that's not where I'm at. But I thought, okay, well, what do I need to save? You know, how many months savings do I want to have before I take the leap? And how can I be as resourceful and kind of cost effective in what it is I'm doing, which is making music and promoting my music. So I learned how to do my own PR and my own web design and like little basics around graphic design. I, I have a lot of I have friends that are much better at it than I am, but, you know, just the ability to whip up a poster really quickly, stuff like that. But the more that I got into learning how to run this as a business, the harder it was to have a day job, mm-hmm. harder it was to focus at work. Do you um, feel like the tangibleness of this dream started becoming more like you're like, okay, I know how this operates now I can see this as like a living more so than just a dream or a creative hobby yeah the steps started to become a little bit clearer in my head and I think part of it obviously too was seeing Chuck 
who is a full-time musician go through that process. And he's been, I mean, he's been just a full-time kind of gigging musician in New York, New York for, I don't know, almost since we've been here. So six, seven years. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because my husband's musician, my father was a musician. Like that was his job. That's how we lived. And it still didn't occur to me that you could you could do it full time. Like I still saw a block for me. Right. But then, yeah, with the learning, when it became kind of more tangible, I was like, oh, I can do this. And when I started to see results from like me cranking things out in like spare hours mm-hmm. and um, doing stuff at late at night, and I was like, oh wow, what if I had a little more time to put into this? And so I was fortunate enough in August to go part time at work, working kind of typically three days a week. That definitely helped with the transition mm-hmm. because I think I was able to prove to myself, okay, what can you do with two days a week? I see it and I believe in it in a way that I didn't before. And it might end up, you know, morphing into the fact that like the hours you would have spent at the office, you're spending in your home office doing the quote unquote corporate work, but for your own music career. You know, like you might just end up seeing like, oh, I can do the creative work and I'm stressed out less uh, because the time I'm quote unquote on the clock or in the office, it's stuff to support this. Exactly. Yeah. You had said that, you know, not everything was always so intentional. So was there a point in your journey so far? Did you ever kind of get persuaded into like another passion of yours where you thought, oh, maybe this is my path? Like, what was that kind of journey like Up to the point where you're like, no, now I'm intentionally going to take steps towards a music career. I don't think I ever saw an alternative. Mm -hmm. And I guess, I guess what I was intentional about when I was younger and working corporate jobs, you know, in my early twenties was the craft of songwriting. I was Mm -hmm. very intentional about that. I think what I didn't realize at the time then was like, journey's not over then. (laughs) Once you feel like you've written some good songs, there's a lot more to do. So I think, I think I was very intentional about that and being disciplined about making time to write and putting things out there. But in the first EP that I put out in 2015, I literally one day just posted online. <laughs> you Beyonce'd it. I Beyonce'd it. And what was funny, actually, I think because I didn't have, no one knew I was working on it except for like maybe close friends. It actually had a pretty decent reception. So I was like, hmm, maybe, I mean, Beyonce has a lot of points, but maybe like there's something to that. You yeah. know, I think we can definitely get to the point where there's so much hype beforehand that like no one actually cares by the time it comes out you're like isn't hasn't that been out you've been talking about it for six months so (laughs) yeah I definitely think there's a balance between promoting and letting people know that you're working on it and then actually sharing it and and doing it I think that's a balance that a lot of people struggle with I mean I I find also that it's important in the way you share it you know so if people are always just sharing the album cover sharing the album cover sharing the album cover people are going to think your album's out you know, like, but if people are showing themselves, like, in the recording studio or going right. on Facebook Live or Instagram stories and explaining the process, you know, I think they're, and, and like, the way you did it, we're just saying, okay, you know what, I'm going to put it out. I feel ready. And, like, I, I really do think that there's no true right way to do it. Um, there are a couple wrong ways to do it, but I, I, I think you have to do what's good for you and do what fits for you know, you and experiment. And I think the greatest thing out of you putting your EP out and just putting it out is that even if it wasn't perfect, even if the strategy around it wasn't perfect, you put it out. So it wasn't like, oh, well, I didn't tell anybody about this and I haven't promoted it. So I'll just sit on it. Yeah. You know, and that's, 
that's exactly how I came to that point. My boss, uh, my first boss at the last company that I was working at, he was a Brit and we were, I was over at our London office, our headquarters a fair bit. His sister uh, is a songwriter in the UK that's had a fair bit of success. And we went over um, to her place one night. She was like nice enough to kind of just have some wine and chat about this whole thing. And at that point I had finished the album. I had, everything was done. Artwork was done. It was literally a question of like publish kind of. To, to get it up online. And she told me three things that I think are still so incredibly relevant and that I come back to all the time, which is write the music that you want to write, write music you want to listen to, work with people that you get along with, and put a lot of stuff out. And like, it's sort of, there's obviously the whole marketing side of it, but I feel like those things, if you don't have those in place, stuff can really go awry. And so she told me that, and I remember the date because it was the day before my birthday. So July 14th, 2015, we had had some wine. And then the next morning, I think I was flying back to New York. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to just put, you know, I had like an hour or something the night before to just prepare it all online. Didn't go through any distributors, but just put it up on SoundCloud and kind of released it that way and later did the distribution. But I just put it up. Yeah. And I think because it just surprised everybody, people were curious, right. like, what's this about? Mm-hmm. And so that was an interesting exercise to compare to some of the data from that and like an album I put out, which was crowdfunding and a lot more social media. And but the key word in all that is that you collected data. You know, you did something, you took an action. And so yeah. it's data points. You know, I think people put a lot of pressure on, will this be a success or will this be a failure? Oh, it's going to give you data. You know, either way, you're going to get stuff to compare it to other ones. And, you know, like your, like, um, your friend had said, you know, put out a lot of stuff, share a lot of stuff. And, and that way, you know, when you have all of this data and you realize, okay, this worked for me. Other people, this worked for them, but this worked for me. And I, I know that because I've tried a couple of different things, you know, yeah. and it's not this pressure of, okay, well, I followed this blueprint and this better work. And, you know, it's, yeah, let's try it. <laughs> yeah, I think so many times, and I've done it so many times, but I see it a lot. You probably have downloaded some checklists right. around what you need to do around your release. Right. I know I did. And I know I was like, I need to do all these things. I need to have this merch. I need to have, like, I just spread myself way too thin and I tried to do everything. And I was like, I want to do, I want to make three music videos. I want to do this. I want to do that. And two things. One is like the quality can suffer there, you know, because quality obviously has to be there in the music. But I think sometimes what's tiresome to people that are creatives is that the the quality has to be there in the marketing too. Mm -hmm. And it's better to have less stuff, but higher quality, right? Than to like constantly post just like a selfie of you thumbs up being like new music coming, cool, which I I still probably do. But, (laughs) but you know, I feel like in the short time that I've known you, what I like about your approach to your music and to your social media and just everything in general is that you are just as creative in your music and you, as you are towards your marketing. Like I feel like you take chances and, and put your creativity into your marketing and to your social media and what always kind of got me with many musicians is that they're so creative, right? And they're, they're not afraid to experiment musically. But then, and I think it's like very fear-based, but they turn to the business side and they just see it as the stuffy, like 
rules and, and boundaries and, you know, like you said, checklists. Yeah. And so they throw their creativity out the window and it's like, you're the creative one. Like marketing is creative. And I think a lot of musicians can be better at marketing than they give themselves credit for. And I feel like you're somebody that is like, I'm going to, I have this creativity. Let me transform (laughs) it into something different now. I mean, that's (laughs) nice to hear. I've certainly gained to try. Like, I think that that's, that's gotten me to where I am, which is not necessarily all that far, but I'm very willing to fail publicly. Yeah. And I feel like that's the only way I can approach it and kind of keep my sanity, which Mm -hmm. is like, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the work because if I want to be a songwriter, I want to be a musician, nothing's stopping me from doing that. I don't need anybody to give me permission to like come up with something weird marketing wise or to write a song or to put it out there. Like it's so easy today. And the other thing I think about social media is Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, they're all different languages. And when you're learning a new language, like if you're learning French, you don't just memorize a list of common French sayings. You don't just say, ask yourself, what do French people typically say? And I'll learn that. Like you have something to say and then you translate it through that language. And it's like before I post something like, what do I want to communicate here? You know, Instagram with the stories and the emojis and, and hashtags. Like, how and can that. I use those tools to communicate that? Yeah. yeah but like start tools. with the communication. Right. Yeah. Neutralize it because right. sometimes it feels so heavy mm-hmm. to like do this stuff. But you're like, no, I have some stuff to say. And like, these are some business tools. Exactly. No, I think that is such... A wonderful way to look at it and like I always say with goal setting start with the why so when you are marketing start with you know why are you doing this what are you communicating what's the purpose of this promotion or this launch or whatever that is I think that's a wonderful way to look at it yeah they're they're languages <laughs> and some of them I will never understand no I am not on Snapchat yes. it's not gonna ever happen exactly. too old <laughs> You know, when this airs, you'll have been a full-time musicpreneur for a month and a half, um, as this will air in May. You said your husband is a full-time musician, and I hear a lot from clients um, in, in the Rockstar Collective, a lot of musicians bring this up, that their spouses or their family members or whomever it might be, they don't get the support. They don't get the understanding when they pursue something creative like this. And in fact, I on episode 16, I had talked about that and addressed those things. What is it like for you living with somebody who, who does get it and who is a full-time musician? I'm curious as to what that dynamic is and how do you feel you guys show up for one another? Yeah, I mean, it's fantastic because... We, we get it. And we're both songwriters. And I think think of ourselves first and foremost that way. So we have very similar approaches. We have different strengths when it comes to how we work. I tend to do too many things <laughs> and be a little scattered sometimes. But I can kind of move stuff forward. And Chuck is very good at like focusing in on one thing, which I think you, sometimes you can find with men and women, right? right. <laughs> but so it's helpful to see that, you know, there's different ways to approach this and there for different things. There might be better ways of how I work on stuff, you know, rather than being like, I've got to, I want to get 10 demos out <laughs> done today, which is an insane thing I've said to myself before. It's like, well, no, just get one done that's really good and work through it and take the steps that you need. And so I've been trying to slow down some of the stuff that you've talked about, the monotasking and just bigger blocks of time is really, really helpful. Because I think, especially when you're diving into the business stuff, it's really easy to be overwhelmed and to feel like you've got to do a thousand things. And I went through that journey 
And I was like, well, that didn't work because I am burnt out. (laughs) I am burnt out. I'm not happy with like the way I did everything. And so we can really support each other in that way. There have been times where we've had conversations around like, man, wouldn't this be easier if we were just one project? Just two people pushing one project and two people pushing two projects because we're both singer-songwriters. Right. And there's so much rational logic to that, but I think our, we have a healthier marriage having <laughs> sort of separate projects. <laughs> you, know, yeah, you know, you try it and you learn. <laughs> yeah, I just think like we, we would talk and I'm like, yeah, that, that, there's some logic to it, but both of us would be like, but we don't want to do it, right? <laughs> great because we both play piano and guitar and we both sing so we can kind of accompany one another in different ways and then you know when it comes to my family I remember at some point in like my late 20s talking to my dad who's an opera singer and I was telling him about my corporate job and like he was just like I don't understand any of these terms that you're using (laughs) he's like so what is it you do what is it you do and I was like I couldn't couldn't tell you and like he's joking but also not joking right Right. (laughs) and I get that but I think in that same conversation my dad said to me he's like when are you gonna when are you gonna quit your job and try to do music and I was like okay 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 um but apparently that answer is yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) I think like what you said, it comes down to, you know, languages. It really is just different uh, approaches. And when they can't understand it or can't see it, they can't make sense or process like why this would be your decision. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I I think that's important for a lot of people to hear because I know that's a very common struggle for people trying to pursue a career in the creative field when other people, like you had said, you know, years ago, you weren't sure because you didn't know about the business. Well, how do I make money if I'm not teaching lessons? Like teaching lessons is one way to make an income stream. And and some people do that, but if it's not what you want to do, we don't know, you know, there are over like 40, 45 income streams in this music industry. Just, you know, that somebody could list just sitting down. And I'm sure there's many more on top of that. And if you're not familiar with those things, it's it is it's a foreign language it's like well then you know why would you do this like you know people have that preconceived notion of the struggling artist and oh yeah even artists themselves as you had said you know that's that notion like well if I want to do this I have to struggle or if I want to do this I have to you know not want nice things or mm-hmm. <laughs> not be able to live the way I want to live and and yet it's all about learning and understanding the full picture And I think the more and more I do this, the more and more there's like a very clear delineation between the creative side and the business side. I think it really helps me to like have a lot of clarity around what my focus is. What I've done when I sort of had two days to myself um, working part time was more or less try to have one day that was kind of creative stuff. And I do some co-writing and some demoing and writing, playing a little guitar um, or even creative stuff around some marketing ideas. And then the next day was like the business. Right. <laughs> I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I've, I've heard many people who do it full time say that. And, you know, I'm not a musician, but in terms of the creativity in my marketing or in when I create a, uh, a program or anything like that, I, I, it, it's important. It's hard to, as you said, switch those gears because they, they're, you're using different parts of your brain. And, you know, it's a lot of wasteful energy when you're constantly yeah. <laughs> switching. Because it takes energy to switch. Exhausting, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so I definitely agree with you that, you know, if you can block out, you know, time to really allow yourself to fall into that space, fall into that, like, little pocket there where you're in your zone. I yeah. think that's really important. And I think the guiding principle in terms of, you know, 
what does a good structure look like for me is one that like maintains my energy. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like energy and mindset are kind of at the top of yeah. of every of my list yeah. every day. I think I tend to do my best creative stuff in the morning, but like I don't know that I've really been thoughtful about testing that out. Right. Think of it as a lab, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Put that lab code on. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing that we often talk about, um, and this came up in the Rockstar Collective too, you know, knowing when you're ready. Uh, a couple of months ago, I was interviewing Willie Green, He's been doing music full time for a long time, and one of our uh, viewers uh, had said, you know, I want to quit my job, but how will I know when I'm ready? And he just kind of laughed and said, you're going to hate this answer, but you'll never be ready. So just do it. And sure enough, like, you know, two weeks later, he, he left his job. What was the, the pivot? I know you said like a couple months ago, you went part time. Mm-hmm. Was that intentional in terms of weaning yourself off this work? Like, how did you get yourself to make that leap? Yeah, <laughs> I do think it was in, intentional. And I'm very thankful that my boss and the company was really on board with that. You know, people who are good at their jobs have more control in those situations than they feel in the moment. But every few months I had to check in with my with my boss, be like, okay, how's this working for you? How's this working for me? For me, it happened like in a day, basically. Yeah. And I've obviously been thinking about this for a few years. Like another annoying response to that is like, I just knew. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> no, but it's true. You and have to trust your gut. Yeah, I just knew. And I think the reason that I knew is because I realized I felt like I was no longer getting out of it more than I was putting in. I feel like I'm just at a pivot point and I want to like put all my weight behind it. You know, because when you're burning the candle on both ends and when you're in a day job that's maybe not your dream and you've got this other thing on the side, it's easy to feel like, uh, screw you guys. Like, this is, this doesn't work for me. Like, I don't want to just be a cog in your machine. Like, I don't know. It's easy to get into that yeah. mindset. But yeah. like, they've been good to me. Mm-hmm. I, you know, was able to take the sleep because of this company and what it really does come down to is has nothing to do with the job, mm-hmm. has nothing to do with the company. It has right. to do with what I want. And right. so I made it about me. Right. And they got to pay the role 50% and get out of it like 95% right. of what they were getting. So kind right. of a win-win. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You showed them the opportunity. Yep. Um, and I, I think that's really important. You had mentioned wanting to find a routine. And having a little bit more structure around your day now that you're full-time. You know, when you said you just felt it, you knew that you wanted to leave your day job. Do you feel like certain practices like yoga um, or even meditation, do you feel like you're in tune with listening to your body? Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing that I get out of it is Mm -hmm. just being a little bit more present Mm -hmm. and a little bit more mindful and getting out of my head a little I did yoga in college and everything. And I think for me, then it was just like a workout. I did not get that other side of things. (laughs) And then when I had an injury um, two years ago, I kind of eased back into stuff with with yoga. And especially after not being able to kind of run or swim for a while, just getting like feeling present in my body and managing some of the stress I was going through. I was like, oh my God, (laughs) I need to do this every day. Yeah. So that'll definitely be a huge part of my routine. It struck me when you were explaining it because I think when a lot of people say like, well, how do I know when I'm ready? It's, you know, to me that screams out. And, and I, I say this because I've been there, that you're not listening to your body and you're not used to trusting it and hearing, you know, because your body will tell you. Like, and yeah. like you said, like you knew there was just a shift. And I think a lot of people ignore that shift. Like when you were at that job and you said, I just felt that shift that I was giving more than I was getting. 
And I think that shift happens for people all the time and they miss it. Yeah. So when you had said that, I was like, hmm, I wonder if it's because, you know, you're somebody that's been more attuned to listening to yourself and being able to feel that shift because it can feel it's subtle you know it's not going to hit you over the head like a frying pan right and I think a lot of artists are waiting for that moment like this big big sign from the universe that it's like do this now (laughs) totally yeah and like it's so motivating to like finally be 100% behind myself I realized for a very long time I did not have that confidence. And I think part of it was my own issues with self-worth or whatever. A lot of stuff that people can relate to. But I do think part of it was also always becoming a better songwriter, you know, and being way more critical of what I release instead of like writing five songs and putting out three of them. It's like write 60 songs and like put out eight of them. I think it's that and learning more about the business and being able to just see a path forward break it down into like very doable concrete steps and yeah. know people that have done it that's huge too yeah. I think all of this is so so amazing I know our listeners are going to get a lot from it and so we've now come to the point where I ask you my four questions that yeah. I ask everybody that you always hate me for it but you know as somebody that listens to themselves I say just let whatever answer comes out come out yeah so you have one extra hour in the day what do you do with it uh, I think I go swimming. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Is that what does that do for you? Do you feel it just? It's similar to yoga, but it's more energizing and physical somehow. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely like I get a lot of clarity. It's just me. I'm not listening to music. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing anything. It's just in the water, super repetitive motion. Totally tire myself out. Right. It's one of those things that it's like a little bit of a walk to get to the pool. And so in the winter, I'm like, nope. Right. Even though it would feel amazing. I love that. My next question is, you have an opportunity to collaborate with any musician. What will make it easy? They have to be alive. We'll we'll keep it with people who are still here with us. So, you know, you can join a band on the road. You can songwrite with somebody. You can be in the studio with somebody. Who would that be? I I think it would have to be Bruce Springsteen (laughs) because he was the soundtrack of my childhood. (laughs) And I idolize him as a songwriter, yeah. and uh, I am trying to figure out how to go see him on Broadway. <laughs> I'm like, should I do a GoFundMe to get <laughs> The next question is, we always talk about big asks, you know, making requests, because otherwise the answer will always be no. So what's, what's a big request that you would like to put out into the universe as it relates to, to music? What's... What's something that you would like to see happen? I would really love to join a tour as, as like a solo opening artist. Nice. And I think I'm not quite sure who that would be. Mm-hmm. Probably a short list of artists that I could maybe think of. But I just uh, I want to hit the road and I want to um, learn. <laughs> <laughs> I want to learn. And uh, yeah. I've worked up over the past year what I think is a pretty good solo show. I used to play a lot more with the band, but... Again, like putting business cap on, I was like, that doesn't make a lot of sense financially. <laughs> so, all right, anybody out there who needs a solo opener, yeah, we got a great some folksy one for lady you. singing. Let me know. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And the last question is: Each week, we like to give our listeners an actionable. I usually give them a free download or something to do at the end of this podcast. So, as it relates to your music and your career, 
or not. Some some people just have you know whatever. Um, doesn't have to be. Uh, but what would you like our listeners? Oh man, to I feel go like to? I gotta say something that serves them now. No, no, you <laughs> I'll don't. I'll say two. Well, no. one is to sign up for the mailing list because yeah. I talk a lot about. Uh, things that aren't my music and I at least find it interesting. No, I love it. Yes, guys, definitely (laughs) Um, go sign up for this mailing list for um, sure. And I think the other thing is like just stop being so hard on yourself. Mm. Like I just think so many times people that I know, myself included, it's like, man, if anybody else treated you the way (laughs) that you treat yourself, you would cut them out of your life. (laughs) Like you would just be like never again, delete their phone number. Yeah. Just like be try being kind to yourself. Mm, that's awesome. Thank you so much. This is this has really been great. I know our listeners will get a lot out of it. And Thank you. Um, thanks for sharing this with us. And best of luck. You're thanks, gonna kill yes. it as a music panor. <laughs> thanks for having me. This yes. is really fun. Awesome. Thanks. Wow. <laughs> I had so much fun chatting with her, if you couldn't tell. In fact, I had to cut a lot out as we went a bit off topic on some great stuff, but there's only so much time. Every time I'm with her, it's like talking to an old friend. She has such great insight, and I love how open she is about her process. I so encourage you to sign up for her newsletter, as it's one of the good ones. I read it each week, and I always take something great from it. You can access it through the link in the show notes, therockstraffigate.com forward slash EP24, or simply by going to lesliebarth.com and signing up, L-E-S-L-E-Y-B-A-R-T-H.com. If you enjoyed what you learned here today, you can access all current episodes using your preferred podcast app, including iTunes and Spotify, or by visiting therockstraffigate.com forward slash podcast. If you're looking to get clarity on your next steps, find time to balance everything on your plate, or if you'd like help figuring out a plan to ditch your day job, let's talk. As always, feel free to email me at any time, suze, S-U-Z, at therockstaradvocate.com. Until next time, Rockstar, have a great week, and I hope to see you back here next Wednesday so we can get grounded to get rising. Take care.